Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Last week we started looking at the resurrection of Jesus. Can anyone remember something from last week's message? Anyone? Just one point that stood out to you from last week's message. Yes? The love of God? Yeah, amen. The love of God is for us. It's like we said now. The resurrection is, is an eternal testimony to how much God loves us. Amen. Okay, so we looked at the clearest prophecies about the resurrection from the scriptures of the Old Testament. We saw that the resurrection is a very important part of the gospel. It is not the, if it's not the most important part, no? If we leave out the resurrection from the gospel message, we are in fact not really sharing the gospel at all. If we leave out the resurrection, the gospel is the good news. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then it's not really good news, is it? If Jesus is still dead, then it's bad news. Amen. Galatians 1 verse 6 says, Galatians 1 verse 6, Paul speaks to the Galatians, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's very, very strong words from the Apostle Paul. Paul is saying that any change to the gospel um, that Paul has preached to them is a perverted or a corrupted gospel. He says that what he preached is the gospel what he preached is the gospel and that anything different to that cannot even be called a gospel no Mm. it says in verse uh verse six uh unto another gospel which is not another in other words there is nothing else like the gospel the gospel is a unique message there is no other gospel this is the gospel all right paul peter and jesus in the scriptures we looked at Uh, deliberately put great emphasis on the fact that Jesus uh, was risen from the dead. Uh, Jesus did not want any of his disciples to doubt that he was risen. Mm. Even Thomas, uh, when given the opportunity to see and touch Jesus' wounds and believe. Even Thomas, unbelieving Thomas, they were to be eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses of the fact that Jesus is alive. When preaching the gospel, they used prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures. And this is what we looked at. Uh, But what really stood out to me was the prophecy in Daniel. I don't know if you guys can remember the prophecy in Daniel. Daniel 12 verse 2, it says, Daniel 12 verse 2, Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. 
That is such an awesome prophecy, eh? Pointing indirectly to the resurrection of Jesus, but pointing directly to the resurrection of all believers. That's all of us, no? Did you get that from that scripture as well? Do you agree with me? <laughs> um, I think that's really awesome. Um, the privilege of being a minister of reconciliation no? is also encapsulated in this, in this uh, prophecy. He says, who leads many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. And we know that eternal life is relationship with God. So that is such an awesome scripture that talks about the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of us as believers, and our purpose as believers as well. Another main point that uh, was, was that if there is no resurrection, there is no. If there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. No? If there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. If there is no gospel, then how are we to be saved? No, no resurrection, no gospel, no salvation. Alright, that's what we said. We cannot be born again and share in the divine nature of God. We cannot have eternal life and relationship with God. It all depends on the resurrection of Jesus. Alright. His resurrection proves that He truly is the Son of God and that everything He said was true. If Jesus did not rise from the dead after three days, um, it would have been correct in saying that Jesus was a madman. He was crazy. But in fact, he was risen from the dead and it proves that he is truly who he said he was. And he said that he is the Son of God, the Word of God made flesh. Amen. Okay, so that is why today we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote this portion to the Corinthian church because some people were teaching that there is no resurrection from the dead. Their beliefs were being influenced and shaped by the Roman and the Greek cultures around them. All right? They imagined life completely ends in death. That's what atheists believe today too. And that you stop existing. That's one of the views that were, were prevalent in that time. Or they thought the human spirit continues on and we float like spirits somewhere in the afterlife. All right? Uh, without any body. We are going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. So they were being influenced by, by the beliefs around them, the beliefs of the unbelievers no, around them, other cultures around them. Um, and the resurrection is unique because we say that we have a body. No? We will be resurrected with a physical body. And God will make everything new, a new heaven and a new earth, and we will live there. Amen. That sounds awesome. Sounds great to me. Okay, so the resurrection was very important to Paul and the early believers and Christians. And it should be for us today as well. As we start reading, notice how Paul points out that it is the gospel that he preached that is the true gospel. Alright? I read uh, from the New International Version, the New International Version, from 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, 
I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Eh? Of first importance. That Christ, and then he says what it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So here we see that Paul refers to a specific message, a specific gospel. The gospel Paul preached to them, and the gospel that they believed and were standing on to be saved. Alright? Paul says, by this gospel you are saved. And then he tells them what it is, and we looked at that. It's that uh, Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. Paul was making this point. Uh, to mention the resurrection, alright? Um, because there were people in the Corinthian church who were teaching that there is no physical resurrection. Okay, he, he, he was coming against a false teaching in the church. Alright. Verse 5. And he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, that's, I don't know, is, is, it, is it the Greek name for Peter, or... The Hebrew name. Hebrew, Hebrew. The Hebrew for Peter. But anyway, he's referring to Peter. And he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living when, when he wrote this. Though some have fallen asleep, that means they died. Okay? Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Paul was mentioning these names as witnesses, okay? He was mentioning them as witnesses of the truth that Jesus did rise from the dead. Think of the, 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 the scene of a courtroom, eh? a courtroom, a, a courtroom of law. He was mentioning these people as, as witnesses in that sense. You understand? They were to be witnesses in, in testifying about the truth, okay? Um, at the time Paul was writing this, these people were still alive, but like he says, some, some already died. So if anyone doubted, they could go to these people and ask them, hey man, is this true? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And they were credible witnesses that, that, that met Jesus, to whom Jesus appeared, that they could go talk to and verify the truth. Um, Paul was actually saying, if you don't believe me, go ask Peter. Eh? Go ask the other apostles. 500 of them are people who will testify, like in a courtroom, that they saw with their own eyes. Jesus alive after his death and burial. He also mentions that the 500 saw Jesus at the same time. Many, uh, so, uh, there's an argument that says that this 500 group of people has some kind of vision at the same time, and that is impossible. It's been proven impossible by psychology that 500 people can't have a dream or a vision of the same thing at the same time. All right. Uh, verse 8. 
and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This is Paul speaking about himself. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And then of course Paul testifies that Jesus appeared to him as well. This is what we read now. The one who persecuted the church of God. This is Paul's, uh, Paul's history, right? I think he mentions this as further proof that he was not lying. Um, about the facts of the gospel. If I can paraphrase, Paul was saying, hey, I was not a Christian from the start. I wasn't a Christian from the start. But my life was powerfully turned around from being a persecuting murderer. Persecuting murderer. That was what Paul was, the Apostle Paul. He persecuted Christians and eventually uh, they were thrown into prison and eventually put into arenas where animals would tear them apart or where they would be burned in oil. Or whatever terrible thing you can imagine. Put to death for their faith. So he was a murderer. Um, and he was powerfully turned around. Because of what he heard and what he saw. And that was Jesus. And not just Jesus. It was Jesus alive. Amen. Jesus alive after death. Because of what I heard and saw was the undeniable truth and nothing but the truth. If it wasn't the truth, I would still be persecuting Christians. I was against this Christianity. Why should I say that Jesus is alive if it wasn't the truth? No? Why would Paul say Christianity is true, Jesus is alive? While he was still, a, still, still persecuting Christians. It doesn't make sense, right? If he was persecuting, trying to destroy the church, trying to kill all Christians, why would he then turn around and say, um, no, it's actually true, Jesus is alive, if it wasn't so. You follow my, my reasoning there. He had no reason to do that, but he actually did have a reason, because Jesus appeared to him in person. Okay. This amazing grace that I received turned me from a persecutor into the apostle that I am now. And that same grace empowered Paul to work harder than any of the other apostles uh, in sharing the gospel. Only a living Jesus, only a living Jesus could produce that kind of fruit in someone's life. Amen. Amen. Paul was saying, look at my life. And you will see undeniable evidence that Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. Verse 11. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believe. Okay. Verse 11 says that the gospel Paul preached was not just his own message, but it agrees with what all the other gospels <clears throat> and disciples, sorry, all the other disciples and apostles were preaching. Paul is reminding them of the original message that they believed, the original, the first one, the good news that saved them. Many witnesses 
And all other testimonies testimonies agree that Jesus is alive. Okay, then we look at verse 12. Verse 12. But tell me this. Since we preach... Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why? So he is now tackling this this problem, this false teaching. Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. Verse 16. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. Listen to that. Your faith is useless. And you are still guilty of your sins. I wouldn't want to be guilty of my sins still, eh? <laughs> then I'm in trouble. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone else in the world. Okay, so the Young's literal translation says, If in this life, we have hope in Christ only. Eh? Then we are to be pitied most uh, in, than anyone in this world. Okay, so uh, I don't know which translation you're reading from, but this translation made it quite easy to understand um, this whole argument that Paul is bringing here. But he makes a couple of points in this argument, and I'm going to list them for you from 1 to 5, okay? So, point number one that he's making is he's saying, we preach that Jesus rose from the dead. That's what he's saying. We preach that Jesus rose from the dead. Number two, if there is no, <coughs> if there is no physical resurrection from the dead, then Jesus did not rise from the dead. Okay? He's summing up the, the way of thinking now. Yeah. If that is true, then uh, we are preaching a useless lie. Alright? Number four. If the gospel we preach is a lie, your faith is useless. No? And you are still guilty of your sins, and you are still lost. Number five. If Jesus... Huh? Number four. Uh, if the gospel we preach is a lie, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins, and you are lost. You all understand that, right? If Jesus is our only hope to be saved in this life, if Jesus is our only hope to be saved, then we are to be pitied. Why? Because then we are in trouble. Correct? We are in trouble. Most people, most miserable. Since yeah, most miserable. Because Jesus was our only hope. And if He did not raise from the dead, then what else do we have? Like mm. Philip said now, the King James Version says, we are most miserable. Interestingly, the word miserable comes from the word mercy. Right? The, the root word there is mercy. Um, so, to be miserable 
means to be completely without mercy. Think about that. That's a terrible place to be. Mm. To be completely without mercy. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, there would be no mercy for us. Okay. All hope would be lost. He's trying to show them the result of believing the lie. No? Believing the lie that there is no resurrection from the dead. That was why Paul was coming so strongly against this. Okay. And then Paul makes this point in verse 20. And I love how he says it here. But in fact, Christ has. Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. But in fact, I just like how he says, it's a fact, eh? Praise the Lord because Jesus is alive. It's a fact. We witnessed it. Alright. Jesus' resurrection proves that your false teaching is false. Think about that. Jesus did rise from the grave. Our preaching and your faith is not useless. And that is why I believe Paul could write in Romans 1 verse 16. Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That's cool. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul is using the fact that Jesus did rise from the grave to show and to prove that there is a resurrection from the dead. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Jesus' resurrection proves that this false teaching is in fact false. Amen. Verse 21. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as death came into the world through one man, who is that man? It is Adam. Through Adam. Now, the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man, who is Christ Jesus. Amen. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Hallelujah. You want new life? Yes. Belong to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Just, oh, sorry, verse 23. But there is, an, there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Amen. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. Okay. Because Jesus is risen, because Christ is risen, so are we. So are we. Paul refers here to something in the Old Testament. It's called uh, first fruits. Have you ever heard those words? The, the concept of first fruits. Jesus was the first of the harvest of all who would be raised. The Israelites could not fully harvest their, their crop or their field uh, until they brought the first portion of ripe fruit to the priests, to God, yeah. Uh, as an offering for the Lord. And you can read that in Leviticus uh, 23 verse 10. Okay, so he's, he's, he's showing uh, Jesus here in a, in, a, in, a, in a law with regard to, to harvesting. No? 
and um, farming. Imagine one big field uh, getting close to being harvested. It's one big field. I mean, imagine uh, corn or wheat or whatever fruit you like, all right? Imagine a whole field of this. And um, this field is close to being harvested. And what Paul is saying here is that Jesus is the first fruit that is ripe to be harvested. Alright? This is what this is the picture that he is painting here. Um, we are every believer, all believers, is part of this field. Okay? All believers are part of this field, and this field is getting ready to be harvested. But Jesus had to be harvested first. He is the first fruits. That's the image that Paul is creating for us here. And then, at the second coming, the rest of us will be harvested. Okay. Um, what Paul is saying here is, Christ's own resurrection was the first fruits of the resurrection harvest of the believing dead. The first fruits language Paul uses indicates something to follow. Christ was first, and because He was first, because it's a fact that He was risen from the dead, it guarantees that we too will be, will be raised from the dead. Isn't that awesome? Amen. We have a guarantee. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit in us. Eh? It's the Holy Spirit in us who has a guarantee that we belong to, to Jesus. And, but we are the rest of the field. Alright, that will be harvested. His resurrection is evidence that ours will follow. Alright. Something else that stood out to me is how simply it is put in verse 22. Verse 22 says, Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Okay. It's as simple as that. If you belong to Jesus, if you have put your faith in the gospel, you will have new life. Mm-hmm. Alright, skip down to verse 30. Skip down to verse 30. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 30. And it says, Why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is Paul speaking. You're all still awake? Alright, cool. (laughs) For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. Imagine doing that. Facing death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. Verse 32. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts? Those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead, he's asking them this question. And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning, for to your shame... I say that some of you don't know God at all. Alright. I think there is a much greater focus on the resurrection 
in places where Christians are persecuted. Alright, because the resurrection from the dead is a great hope. It's a very, very great hope. And something to fix our eyes on when you know you might be killed at any moment for your belief in Jesus. Think about it, no? Spreading the gospel is top priority in the hearts of persecuted believers. Because they realize that at any moment could be the last for someone else. They realize that time is short and that love in them drove them to share the gospel with urgency. Urgency. In places where there is no persecution, the gospel and Christianity has become more about how to live a comfortable life. And that's sad. It's very sad. But where, where people are persecuted, they realize something. They start focusing on eternity. Amen. Amen. I've been reading the book by Richard Wurmbrandt. Uh, it's called Tortured for Christ. Tortured for Christ. It is about his life as a pastor under the communist government that persecuted and tortured Christians. It's a, it's a really amazing book. Um, how people could continue preaching the gospel. Uh, tortured to death, man, many of them, thousands of them. Uh, knowing that they would be imprisoned and tortured. To continue preaching the gospel. Think about that. The things that were done to them were absolute horror. Many of the methods focused on dragging out the pain for as long as they could before the person died. They made sure they would, they would beat someone and then they will let him go for a while. They will let him rest. And then they will feed him good food so that he will get strength again. And then later they will call him in again and they will beat him again. And they would do this time after time until he died. Imagine the pain. That, that's, that someone like that has to go through. And all for preaching the gospel. Yeah. All for preaching the gospel. Yeah. And you won't, you have to imagine yourself in someone like that shoes. No? You, otherwise it's just going to go over our heads. But imagine yourself. If you were to preach the gospel and someone were to kill you for doing that. Yeah. Would you do it then? The torture that they went through was inhuman. It was demonic. But here Paul says that it is the hope of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection, that gave them the strength to keep preaching the gospel and never to deny Jesus. Their eyes were fixed on eternal realities and the future glory of the resurrection. And I believe that that is a very big key uh, for, for people to go on preaching the gospel under persecution. Philippians 1 verse 20 says, I eagerly expect and hope. Philippians 1 verse 20. It seems we aren't without power today. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. This is Paul speaking. Whether by life or by death. Yeah. 
For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. When I prepared this week, this, this scripture really blew my mind. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Since reading Tortured for Christ, that verse got so much clearer for me. The way I understand it now is that our lives aren't our own. My life is completely surrendered to Jesus. His will be done 100%. That what it, that's what it means to say, to live is Christ. No? His will be done 100% of the time. What He values, I value. Yeah. Alright? Eternity and those who need it. And those who already have it, the body of Christ. Okay? My whole existence is for the glory and the praise of Jesus and His gospel. That's what it means. To live is Christ. Alright. Everlasting life and the resurrection was such a reality to them that they could say, to be tortured and to lose your very life. To be tortured and to lose your very life, you have to imagine it, is something to look forward to with great excitement. Think about that. To look forward to with great excitement and joy. Because... Eternity with Jesus awaits. That is what it means. To die is gain. To die is beneficial. To die is something to look forward to. Because we will be resurrected. Amen. We will be resurrected and be forever with Jesus. The thing is that that verse can easily, if you're looking at it from a wrong point of view, it can easily make you feel bad. And it made me feel bad a bit too this week because I thought, well, JB, that is not true about you. No? But the thing is that this verse is a choice that we get to make every day. Yeah. It's not going to be true once and then for always. It's a choice every day. In every situation, it is a choice we get to make every time we get the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. You're feeling, oh, I'm not religious now. To live is Christ. To live is to value what He values. My life is about Christ. He gave me purpose. To die is gain. Even if, what's the worst that can happen to us here in South Africa? Someone might laugh at us. Someone may say, hey, shut up, man. That's the worst persecution we might experience for now. But these Christians, they lost their lives. They faced death daily. Just like Paul and the the older uh, disciples. Faced death daily for preaching the gospel. The end of verse 32, uh, back to um, 1 Corinthians 15. The end of verse 32. And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those, this is Paul speaking, those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame I say that some of you don't know God at all. If there was no resurrection, eh, and we all just died and disappeared, then this life would have no meaning. Amen? This life would have no meaning. What would be the point of anything? 
We can eat and drink and tomorrow we die. You can do whatever you want. There's no consequences. Amen. If there was no resurrection. From verse 50 onwards, Paul explains how our bodies will be transformed into bodies that will never die. Bodies that will be forever free from sin, sickness, disease, aging and death. That sounds wonderful, eh? Skip down to verse 56. I'm not going to go through all of those, all of those words or all of that teaching. But skip down to verse 56. For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death. Amen. I love that. I absolutely love that. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us victory over sin and death through His death and resurrection. Through His death, He takes care of our sin. And through His resurrection, He defeats death. We have victory over sin and death. There is no sin, no addiction, no lie that can have any hold on us. How awesome is that? If you are struggling with anything, it is because you don't believe the truth. It's as simple as that. We are free. Amen. Amen. Let's say that again. We are free. Are you free? Yes. I hope so. It's all about what you believe. Alright. Romans 4 verse 24. But. But also for us. To whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Sure. sure. What do we need to do to share in the resurrection of Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. Just believe in Him. Amen. Just believe in Him. It's by faith alone. Jesus became sin and bore the penalty for that sin. The penalty was death. He rose to life so that we can be justified. Now we do not have to bear the penalty of our sin, which is death. We get eternal life for free. <laughs> that is awesome. We get eternal life for free. Jesus died in our place and God can now declare us right in His sight. That's what righteousness means. To be right in God's sight. Romans 8 verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.